You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to My Victory Church, and welcome everyone that's joining us online, wherever you guys are around the world. Give them a big hand. We are true live, so if you want to say hello and where you are watching from on the comments, I can see them, and I... So hello, man, we got uh, Michelle on here, and Anthony, and Berkeley, and Carson's right there, and and there, and there, and there. That's amazing. Victoria, that's awesome. Um, Carissa, man, we got so very cool. Alicia, man, Beverly, give these guys a big hand. That's so cool. Where y'all watching from? We had in the first service this morning, we had people from all over uh, Canada, the, the world, and exciting part of it. Welcome, Lethbridge. You guys are doing good? Come on. Five people are doing good. This is going to be a great message for you because I'm talking about resilience. It's going to be so good. How many, how many of you have ever heard of the, the statement, um, that person has the patience of Job? Anybody ever hear, hear that? person got the patience of Job. Just us older people. <laughs> Where does that come from? That statement comes from, um, from a man in the Bible whose name was Job. And there's an entire book uh, called Job, not Job. I, that's like what I thought. Um, I, I thought, you know, the book, there's an entire book in the Bible that's going to teach me how to get a job. I thought that was fantastic. Um, it's not. It's, it's a book about a man named Job who... We are going to get introduced to, but this man, probably more than any other uh, guy in, in, in the Bible, is going to teach us resilience. And the reason being is because everything that we see in his life and his story, and it's a crazy story, and wondering why this book is in the Bible. When I first read through this book, I was like, why is this in here? It's crazy depressing. It's, it's, it creates more questions than it does answers. Yet, when we look at this, this book... Um, there's so much that we can learn from what Job you know, went through, what, how he responded, what God did and said to him, and the interaction back and forth between them, the interaction between Job's wife and him, and his friends and him, and all these things. And we're going to take a, a couple of weeks, and we're going to kind of go through this, because there's so much that we can learn um, in wisdom. And the, the book of Job, if it was chronologically going to be placed in the Bible, it'd probably be placed in, in the first, you know, three, three or four chapters of, of Genesis. That's where it should chronologically fit. But instead, it's, it's right before the book of Psalms, included in what is called the wisdom literature or a number of the books of the Bible that are, you know, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the wisdom literature. And the reason why it's placed in the wisdom literature is because it's giving us wisdom for how to, uh, how, to, how to be resilient in times where of ambiguity. And what I mean by that is it's easier to have resilience and perseverance and to push through struggles and trials when you understand the purpose or the why behind the trials that you're going through. It's a whole different story altogether when you have to go through trials and the biggest question in your mind is, why? Anybody ever discover that when you're going through something going, why is this happening? And why is this happening to me? And why now? Why God? And, and it's, it's 
harder to be resilient and, and harder to persevere and harder not, not to break when we don't understand clarity or have understanding of, of why things are happening. And, and so when we go through the story, Job of anybody that I've ever read um, had every reason to say, why? So let's pick it up right from uh, Job 1. And what we're getting, again, is resilience. And resilience is really the virtue that enables people to move through hardship and not just survive, but to move through hardship and become better. Okay, that's what we want to do. All right, so we want to move uh, through that. So let's pick this up in Job chapter 1. It says this, verse 1. In the land of Uz, uh, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Now, of all of the characters in the Bible, this is probably the most complimentary statement of any person other than Jesus about somebody's character of anybody else. Nobody else in the Bible have, do I see that, that God or the author of this book is, is, is writing us and telling us that Job was, man, he was blameless. That's, that's a compliment, isn't it? That's huge. Blameless, you know, upright, feared God and shunned evil. And I think, I think what's so powerful about about this, this, this compliment is that the writer of this book, what he's trying to say is, if there's anybody who deserves not to have trouble happen to him, it's this guy. That's what, that's what he's trying to say. And, and this is basically lesson one when it comes to resilience is that the righteous are not exempt from trials. If anyone should have been exempt from uncertainty, and going through struggles, it would have been Job. And there's a common feeling that, that all of us that, you know, have. And anybody ever thought this? I don't deserve this. Anybody ever thought that? Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. It should happen to them. Yeah. That person. Why me? Nobody's ever thought that? That's just my unrighteous self coming out? Like, like we, we, did, we had this feeling of not deserving. And I think... The other thing that I want to really hit in this series is this, this theology, and I want to call it a modern theology because, because this, is not, um, this is not something that was un clearly understood in the generations leading up to now, but for some reason, our generation today has this theology, and we wouldn't necessarily say it out loud or, or address it, but we have this idea, especially in the Western world, that because we are... Um, Christian or because we have relationship with God, that God is going to, that life is going to be so perfect and, and so void of trials and that, that God is going to, you know, going to make our life so much easier, so much, you know, you know, exempt from trials. We have this idea that if something goes wrong, then, then, you know, God somehow left us, somehow is not answering us. We typically blame God and we think, we think something else is wrong. And no, anybody else seen this? That all of a sudden, like we're Christian now, so we shouldn't have any problems. So what I say to that is, read your Bible. God didn't save his own son from going through the cross to get to the resurrection. So what makes us think that we're going to be exempt from trouble? 
The Bible doesn't tell us how to, how to be exempt from trouble. It tells us what to do in trouble. Right? So in this regard, trials aren't reserved. And the, and the writer of, of Job is saying trials aren't reserved for the deserving. Because if there's anybody who deserved to be exempt, it's Job. All right, let's skip down to verse 6 now, because this is where the story gets, picks up and gets really interesting. It says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Man, God is such a boss. Uh, the angels, in order for, you know, for them to have an audience with God, they have to line up. And guess who's in the lineup with them? The devil. And the, <laughs> the reason why this is kind of funny to me is because the writer of Hebrews says that those of us, because of what Jesus did, those of us who are Christians, we don't have to line up for nothing. It says we can, with all confidence, can enter into the very throne room of God and have his ear just like that. The angels have to line up and the devil himself has to line up to get an audience with God. We don't. So the reason why I point this out is because don't give the devil more credit than he is due. Don't make him more powerful than, than, than he really is. Because he's, the, devil, the devil likes to make himself a lot, appear a lot bigger, a lot more powerful than he is, and we give him too much credit sometimes. And, and, and don't do that. I, I remember I had a, a friend one time that came to visit me at, at my house. And he were standing on, I was standing on my front lawn and he had this, he's walking this big, massive dog. I think it was a cross between a St. Bernard and a Mastiff. It was big. And he's, you know, he's got him on a leash and the dog just all calmly there. And I had another neighbor come with his little rat dog. I don't know, just <laughs> like, anyway, the little dog, what is it going to do? It's like, at the big dog. It wouldn't stop. And the neighbor's like, I'm sorry. And pulling on the leash. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And we're trying to have a conversation. And the big dog just completely ignores the little one. And all of a sudden, the big dog had enough. And it just turned and went. And the little dog. Right behind his, its, its uh, owner's leg and just kind of, and just cowered there. And I was like, man. That's just like, it's just like the devil who wants to make more noise to think, to make you think that he's tough and he's going to yip and yip and yip. And all you need to do is Jesus name. Boom. Gone. Don't give the devil more credit. He has to line up to get an audience with God. So the Lord said to Satan, verse seven, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Now, why is why is the devil roaming the earth? Well, it says in the New Testament because he's looking for something to steal, kill, or destroy. Or someone to steal, kill. God knew this. Where have you been? I'm all over roaming the earth, back and forth. Then look at this. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Time out, God. What? The devil, like God says, where have you been? All looking all over the earth for someone to destroy. Have you considered my servant Job? Thanks, God. 
Like life was going great. Like, thanks for offering me up. I, I was like, I don't know if this story is figurative or if this really happened like this or this is literal. I don't know. But in either regard, when I read that verse for the first time, I was like, how, I read it for the hundredth time. How strange. Like, thanks, God. You, you offer up Job. That's so nice. Then, then God says there's no one on earth like him. Blameless, upright, a, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And again, making it very clear, he doesn't deserve what's about to happen. And then look at Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge? Ooh. <laughs> Anybody ever pray that hedge of protection prayer? hedge. It wasn't God who mentioned the hedge. It wasn't Job that mentioned the hedge. It's the devil that mentions the hedge. He did, it's not a, not a wall, not a fortress, not an army of angels. God, you protect him with a hedge. Wow. Now watch. How would the devil know that Job was protected? unless he's already tried to get at him. He's tried to get him and he's going, I, I can't, no, listen, 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 listen. Why this is important and why am I pausing here for a second is because, because I know how to praise God for the things that I know I've been saved from or the things that God has saved me from. But do I know how to praise God for the things that I didn't even know the devil tried to get at me, but God saved me from? Because this is what it's saying, that the devil's been trying to get at him, but couldn't get at him because God put protection around him. So I don't know, maybe we should just take a moment right now and praise God and saying, hey, thank you for, for what you protected me from that I didn't even know. I've been protected from. And then he says, have you not put a hedge around him and his household? Think about this. And his household. That there's people in your household or in your family who criticize you being a Christian or attending this church who are protected because of your faith, because of your relationship with God. And God's put a hedge of protection around them too. And they don't even know they've been saved, but they're pointing and criticizing you for even believing. But God's protecting them too because of your faith. That's pretty cool. And everything he has... You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds have, have spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your faith, face. And I'm thinking God's about to say, and this would be, be like, no. He's upright, he's righteous, he's, he's, he's blameless. No, I'm putting up a wall, not a hedge. I'm like, no, we're doubling down. But look at what God says. The Lord said to Satan, very well. Wait, 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 what? Come on, God. Very well, then. Everything he has is yours, has, has, is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. What an odd, odd exchange. And I believe this is in the Bible, in this book, and we're going to get through this in the next couple of weeks. Because God wants to teach you and I something. Very important when it comes to hardship and trials and how to overcome them. Because here's the, the book of, of, of Job is the book of extremes. 
Because on one hand, we have God complimenting a human being more than he's complimented any other human being that we see in, in history. And we've got a man who's more upright and more righteous, more undeserving of trials, most undeserving of trials of any man in, in human history. And we've got Job on the extreme of righteousness on this side, undeserving. And on the other side, we're about to see that Job has a really, really bad day. And I've had some bad days, but, but, this, but nothing in comparison to what Job is, is about to experience. And it's, it's the extremes. And in the midst of these extremes, and this book, this is in the Bible, in the book of, literature, of wisdom, literature, this is in here because it's going to teach us how to have resilience too. Now watch. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing, the donkeys were grazing nearby, and, and the Sabians attacked and made off of them, and they put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who's escaped to tell you that the devil manipulated some other people to harm Job and, and his livestock and his servants. Verse 16, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 17, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off of them, and they put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 18, while he was still speaking, I'm talking, this is a bad day. Yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine and suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house and it collapsed on them and they are dead and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Four major catastrophes in one day. Everything Job has, everything he cares about is gone. One day the same time while they were still speaking. And listen, that reveals one of the devil's massive strategies, by the way. And one of his strategies is that he will, he will use sequential attacks to wear you down. Anybody ever, everybody, anybody ever hear the saying, when it rains, it pours. The trouble comes in Threes. We say these things, but listen, it's, it's the devil's oldest strategy. And when he comes at you, if there's something that's coming to you, something goes wrong and something else goes wrong and something else goes wrong. And while you're still struggling with this one, something else goes wrong. That's a pretty big indication that probably what you're facing is a spiritual attack. And that you can, you can look at that and say, okay, devil, back off. You can use the name of Jesus. You're a Christian. You can stand up and remember that he has to stand in line. You don't. You can go right to the Father and saying, hey, he's like, back off, Jack. Because this is, this is, I'm a king's kid. You can't touch me. And it's an indication that this is a spiritual attack because his strategy is to wear you down. Look at Samson, when they cut his hair, then the Philistines attacked when he was weak. That's why the devil wants to use sequential attacks because he's going to weaken you and then he can take you out. So what's Job's response? Job's response, look at this. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground. Yeah. 
No kidding. I would have responded the same way. Maybe not the shave your head part. I've only got a few to spare. But I mean, you can understand. I, I, you can imagine the, the messengers coming and, and seeing him and his wife standing beside him. And he gets up and tears a robe and shaves his head and falls to the ground. And you're going, yeah, I can't even imagine. I've had some bad days, but nothing like this and going, yeah, but that's not how the verse ends. Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground in worship. Wait. What? In worship? Why? How? Why? 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 Job... Can you imagine the servants watching him, his wife hearing him say, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Can you imagine his wife going, taken away? Those are our children. May the name of the Lord be praised. No, blamed, cursed, praised. And here's something that just kind of shocks me a bit, because again, Job, the book of extremes, righteous men, most horrific things possible happening. And his response to the most horrific things possible, possibly happening is to worship. How, how? Why could he do that? Because Job knew that one of the keys to resilience is to know where your help comes from. To know where to, the anchor that you should lean on that will not give out when everything else is given out an anchor that you can lean on that will not give out no matter the pressure put on it. And when Job had nothing else to lean on, he trusted God anyway. Wow. And David, King David, the warrior king, he knew this too, and he said this in Psalm 34, he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. And in case we think, well, that's just when things are going good. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and cry out in pain. No, he says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. That means rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my troubles. No, he delivered me from all my fears. Job knew that he couldn't control what happened or was happening around him, but he could control what was happening in him. Psalmist goes on in verse 17, it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all their troubles. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I think Job would qualify as brokenhearted, crushed in spirit. And I don't believe this verse is talking about salvation from external circumstances as much as it's talking about salvation internally. The philosopher Plato said that emotions are like horses of a chariot, that they, they drive you, but you control where they go. And Job was doing this with his own emotions and choosing, not, not feeling, choosing to trust God anyway. And the most remarkable verse in chapter one is in verse 22, how the chapter ends. And it says this, in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Now listen, Job didn't have the insight. He's not the one who wrote this book. He didn't have the insight into the, the, the exchange in heaven between God and Satan, all the rest of it. But I'm reading this, we have the insight of all this, and I'm going, yeah, God, you removed the hedge, your fault. We, I've said this, why didn't God intervene? Why didn't God, I mean, say, well, you can't blame God. Yeah, but he allowed it. Anybody else ever say that? Job didn't. And all of this, Job didn't charge God with wrongdoing. He didn't blame God. He didn't curse God. I wonder if he felt like doing those things. I'm pretty sure he did. But, in, he, but he chose to worship instead, to remind himself and his heart where his help would come from. So here's, here's the thing for you and I in all of this is that how much it's easy for us to say we trust God and it's easy for us to trust God when things are going good and all, all's well. But do we trust God when things aren't going well? Do we trust God when we feel the pressure welling up? Do we, do we trust God when we feel like we're about to break, not, not just bend, but we're about to break, we're at our breaking point, we can't take anymore? Do we trust God? Do we run to him or do we run from him? Do we blame him or do we worship And the resilient life, the resilient, the ones who survive, like the ones who, who bend, yeah, but not break. And we're going to see, Job did, he was human too. And we're going to see throughout as we go in the next couple of weeks and deeper into the book, he, he bent pretty far. He wasn't perfect. But yet I'm challenged and I'm hoping you are too that to move past the feeling of blaming God, cursing God, running from God, to go past those feelings and saying, no, no, I'm going to run to God. I'm going to choose to trust him even when I don't understand what is happening to me. I'm going to trust anyway. That's not a feeling. That's a choice. And today's takeaway is this. You're not responsible for everything that happens to you, but you are responsible for how you react to everything that happens to you. And there's a peace 
that passes all understanding that He provides. And there's a joy that will become your strength, comes from within, not about circumstances that only He provides. And there's a hope that is an anchor that will not give out no matter the pressure put on it that He provides. And we need to choose to run to Him. And Job sought these things out in the midst of the storm. God, I thank you so much that you are our hope, that you are our anchor, that you are our shield, that we can know where our help comes from. Our help comes from you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength, the courage, the fortitude to, to move past the feelings, the doubts, the questions, the anxiousness, the anger, to put our hope and our trust in you despite the circumstances around us. Even when we don't have answers as to why things are happening the way they are, God, I pray that we would choose to trust anyway. Holy Spirit, help us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and wow, you don't yet have a powerful message and powerful takeaway. You're not responsible to what happens to you, but you are responsible with how we react to what happens to you. You know, maybe you're watching today and you've had a life of just catastrophe over catastrophe. Guys, I don't think God is in the business of messing up our lives. I think he's daily teaching us to grow and to trust, have faith in him. He isn't absent or too busy to care. He's literally walking beside you and through everything that you're walking through today. And maybe today is the day of a turning point for you where you recognize that God has been knocking on your door your entire life. And uh, if you're in that position today, we wanna say a prayer with you that invites him into your life. So if you're that person today and you just like make that decision, I want God in my life today, why don't you repeat after me as we pray. Dear Jesus, I confess and I believe that you are God. I thank you that you sent your son, God, to die on the cross and rise three days later. I ask you to come into my life and be the Lord of my life, my savior and my friend. Thank you for never leaving me, that my past is past and I can begin a new life with you. In Jesus' name, amen such a powerful prayer. If you said that for the first time, let one of our Connect people know. You can private message us on the online campus page and just say, hey, I made that decision today. If you're in the chat, even right now, you could just pop a hand up and be like, yeah, today I've decided to invite God into my life. Powerful prayer, the most powerful one you'll ever pray. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv.